When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. This is the award-winning podcast, Football Social Daily, crashing into your Monday morning like a Carlos Alcaraz centre court serve. Speaking of aces, Arsenal have a new one. Declan Rice has officially joined the Gunners. Is he the missing piece of the puzzle in their hunt for Premier League glory for the first time in 20 years? Manchester United have also fizzed a forehand towards Harry Maguire. The England defender is no longer the captain of the club as Eric Ten Hag wants the armband elsewhere. Is this the start of a potential Old Trafford exit? And put away the strawberries and cream and crack out the popcorn because over the weekend the transfer window got interesting. Could Man City's Mares be next to move to the Middle East? Lukaku will leave London, but to where? And just how do the Hammers spend the Declan Rice dough? All of that to come on FSD, your Premier League podcast. My name's Niall, good morning and good morning too to Jim Salverson and Marley Anderson who are with me today. Hello gents. Hello. How are you feeling this morning? We had a footy tournament yesterday. Very good. Fresh. fresh do you really? Daisy. Yeah, I feel alright. I feel like we should let the listeners know though exactly what happened yesterday. So we had this tournament in Manchester. We reached the semi-finals, didn't we Marley? And then... Blew it. Yeah, we, we bottled it. Yeah, I was thinking last night actually, in the whole tournament, I mean, we only played three games in the whole tournament, but we won the first game 3 0. Then we were 2 0, 2 0 up against Hollyoaks, came back to 2 2. Then we were 3 2, 4 3, and 5 4 ahead, and we drew 5 5 in the end. So we were never behind in that game. And then in, in our semi final, we were 2 0 up and lost 3 2. So for the whole, <laughs> the whole time, in the whole tournament, we were behind for probably about four, five minutes, six minutes. Um, and, and that's just the way it goes. We bottled it big Happy time. Days. Bottled it big Cup time. football, etc., etc. Get the cliche bell out. Can we have that yeah. when we're talking about five side football? As Magic much of as the cup, yeah. Uh, yeah. Banana skin, all the rest of it. Yeah. Marley scored a couple of goals yesterday. Um, I'm quite glad actually. Top jo- scorer, I think. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm quite glad Joel's not on today's podcast because <laughs> he, <laughs> he scored a couple he of good so goals yesterday. Sco- he scored a screamer in that first game, and yeah. I thought, oh no, he's going to be talking <laughs> about tomorrow's this for podcast. Going to be horrendous. Oh, we're here to talk about the latest Premier League news, and Declan Rice has confirmed that he will be joining Arsenal. The club have also confirmed it. He's left West Ham, a club that he really made his mark at. 
uh, for a move worth £105 million. I'll come to you first, Jim, as the West Ham supporter among us. Are you happy with the price that West Ham have got for Declan Rice? £105 million for your best player. I don't think I'm really ready to talk about this yet, to be honest with you. Oh, is it that sort? <laughs> no. I mean, it's been a long time coming for a West Ham fan. We've known it's been on the cards since pretty much the day after the Europa League final when David Sullivan came out and went, it's 99% certain that Declan Rice is going to be leaving the club. And that had been before Rice had made any kind of statement or even his brother had said anything on Instagram, which he's got a habit of doing every now and again. They hadn't even got on the bus <laughs> to parade the trophy, had they? But I think, I mean, if you're going to lose your best player, your jewel in the crown, which Declan Rice 100% was for West Ham. You want to get the best price for him, and I think they have. I think to expect anything more than £105 considering that is the record for a British player, I think is unrealistic. Because he is great, and he will be fantastic for Arsenal, but is he a player that offers more than Jack Grealish does? I don't think he is necessarily. And I also think West Ham have got the structure of the deal right as well. To have the £100 million up front and then the £5 million in potential bonuses, I think is fair. To have that £100 million delivered over three instalments as well, I think is quite decent business for a fee of that size. I think it's £75 million up front then. 12 and a half for the following two seasons. So well, Arsenal have form for that, don't they? Paying in installments. Yeah, I mean, they Thomas don't Party, like playing. They off, spread that payment over six years or something like that when yeah, they signed it. Pepe as well, Nicola Pepe. They, they paid, I think, 75 million, which was yeah. their club record at the time. I think that was spread over seven years as so well. So I think actually West Ham have done decent business for a change. It's not something you say very often for that football club, but I think they've done decent business. And the, the big thing is now there is that money in the transfer kitty that can be potentially spent on reinforcements because West Ham desperately need reinforcements. We'll talk about that a bit later, but in terms of what he brings to Arsenal, obviously he's an England international. The statistics show that he's one of the best defensive midfield players in the Premier League. He's still in his early 20s, obviously a hefty price tag, but is he the missing piece of the puzzle that Arteta needs to take that extra step and win a Premier League title? Uh, that's that's the the theory, I suppose. Um, next season there'll be no surprises about Arsenal at all in terms of, you know, when we got to sort of November December last season and Arsenal were top of the league, it was kind of like, oh, can they can they stay here? Like, are they? Like, we were all surprised basically that they were in the title race. But next year, if they're not in the title race, they it will it will be a failure because they've spent so much money, spent 180 million, I think, this summer. You know, broke or matched the. Um, the the record for for a British player with um same with it being the same fee as Bellingham to Real Madrid for 105, so you you're talking like that's a serious club then that's a that's an elite club buying you know the best players to to fund a, a title challenge really so that should be um should be their remit uh, anything less than second is is well second is technically a failure but anything less than second you would be you'd be questioning what Arsenal are doing but I think um, on the on the sort of face of it, they've they've done really good business. That that midfield three of uh, Rice, Odegaard, and Havertz, if he converts properly to a centre midfielder, is mm. is as good as any in the in the league, really. So yeah, let's see what see how it goes. But he's doing uh, he's doing good business. I think they're Arteta. building well, though, aren't they? Because they're doing it in stages. Like the players they bought in last season as well with like Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus coming in mm. fitted really well into that Arsenal team mm. and there's Vieira as well they brought in who hasn't really cemented his place yet but he was one for the future and 
they do seem to be building well season or season. There seems to be a proper strategy there and they're kind of plugging gaps. They're not just buying players who are available. And like you say, the the Havertz deal, there's probably a few question marks over that at the moment. But to be fair, Arteta's got his transfers pretty much spot on so mm. far. So you kind yeah. of like back him to have seen something there. Well, it works the other way as well with players that he's needed to get rid of, like Aubameyang, Lacazette, the two sort of premier strikers at the club, if you will. And he said, your time's up, lads. Yeah. Time to move on. But Marley used the word failure there, Jim. And as I said at the top of the show, this season, 2023-24, means that it's 20 years since Arsenal last won the Premier League title with that invincible side. Mm. Now, Manchester United have gone a long time without winning a trophy themselves. I think it's 11 years since the Premier League title for them. Would you have thought 20 years ago when Thierry Henry and Patrick Vieira were running the show in the Premier League that it would be that long before Arsenal would even get close to a Premier League title again? I think the comparison with Manchester United is actually a really good one because they've both come out of a period where they had managers who were so central to the success that that football club had, like Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger, had their fingers in every single part of that football club. Mm. They ran everything. And when you remove that kind of individual from a football club, it makes it very challenging to maintain yourself at the same level. I don't think probably many Arsenal fans expected it was going to take 20 years to kind of redress that balance and fix those problems. But then they've had other priorities rather than on the pitch. They had the new stadium and then they had paying for the new stadium and they've gone for a few managers and that potentially they should have stuck with for longer periods. Like I think Unai Emery probably deserved a little bit longer and potentially could have built something at Arsenal. So... Yeah, they wouldn't have expected a 20-year, two-decade wait for success. And they haven't had that success yet, by the way. We're kind of like preempting that they're going to do something in the future. That, but yeah, they, they, they were big they, problems to fix. I think they will. Like If, if Pep Guardiola leaves City mm. in 2025 and Arsenal finish, let's say they finish second this year, they'll, win, they'll be the first team, I think, to win the league after Pep leaves. Because City will have to to re, um, reassess things. There'll be a huge sort of transitional period. The hunger might be an issue if, if City have then won four or five leagues in a row. Um, and Arsenal will be coming in at the prime. They've got a young... I think mm. the average age of the first team is 24. It yeah. does feel so, like they're setting you know, themselves up well, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. But that means nothing in football because probably yeah. Burnley think... will come through and win it or something <laughs> like that because you never know what's going to happen. I think it's an interesting debate in general because it almost feels like Arsenal have replaced Liverpool as that second fiddle team to Manchester yeah. City. Mm. I think I, I think Liverpool will be really good again this season. I think they'll they'll comfortably finish at least third and then it's a scrap for fourth and, mm. and the last Champions League spot. I think it could end up being really competitive this season because I think Man City have lost some key individuals and might still lose yeah. some more. Mahrez might go, Carl yeah. Walker might go. Bernardo might go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Mahrez, we'll talk about him later so as well. There could be some like big changes at City and it will take them a while to settle you'd imagine with those changes whatever happens Manchester United with Eric Ten Hag are going to be competitive next season Arsenal are going to be competitive Liverpool need to be competitive because they need to find some magic again so Mm. I think it could be really interesting I don't think it's necessarily going to be City's No I think that's a a fair comment and also when you win a treble how do you stay motivated the next season? Quadruple So Well yeah I mean (laughs) Do we count the Community Shield and the League <laughs> Cup? Does that really count anymore? Yeah, I guess Club World Cup as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Manchester City will need to play in that in the December, depths of winter when that rolls around. Just before we move on from this Declan Rice to Arsenal chat, he released quite a lengthy open letter hmm. to supporters on the West Ham website, Jim. What did you make of that? I've seen some 
West Ham fans who have said it was classy and a nice touch and we understand and he's deserved his move. You've even said just a minute ago that this was on the cards for a while. I've also seen other Hammers fans say that it's slightly stuck up and a little bit condescending. What do you make of it or what's your take? I quite liked it. And it wasn't just on the website. All like subscribers to whatever got it emailed out as like and it came like as a personal email from Declan Rice Declan at westhamunited.com or whatever but I thought the sentiment was alright actually and I kind of understood as well I don't think there's many West Ham fans who wouldn't see Arsenal as a step up I think you'd be very hard pressed to argue it's anything other yeah, than yeah. a step up from West Ham and he's a player that was always going to want to play at the highest level. And I think you kind of want to see your players go on and play at the highest level. And he's never given anything other than 100% on the pitch. He has been the captain of the club in every sense of the word. He's been a gentleman off the pitch and on the pitch. And I think he's he's done everything right in his tenure at West Ham and in leaving as well. And kind of like, he could have forced a move last year, potentially. But he gave us that extra season and he led the team to their first European Cup in... 30 years, mm. 40 years. Um, so, no, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, it's really difficult to strike a tone of that kind of thing. Yeah, anyway, yeah. you're always He would have get... wanted to say something, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I can't imagine he you were going to see him in an Arsenal shirt next season kissing the badge, etc. I think his heart is definitely with West Ham as a football club, and I imagine mm. he'll come back one day as well. But I, I, I thought the message was fine. I mean, it, like I say, there's always going to be people that criticise that kind of thing, but it, it was a... He clearly, it clearly came from the heart, I thought. It's almost worked out perfectly, really, that Arsenal have had this resurgence at the time that they have had it because he clearly wants to stay in London. It's where his heart is. It's where he's from, where he grew up. He still visits his estate where he came from on a regular basis. You know, going to Chelsea would have been a controversial move and going to Spurs even more so, being a a West Ham lad, if you will. So the fact that it is Arsenal, of all of the Premier League teams from London... um, that probably would have been the cherry-picked one amongst Hammers fans, I would argue. Yeah, I mean, there's no love loss between any of the London teams and West Ham. I don't think we're big fans of any of them particularly, but Arsenal is probably the the lesser of the evils. And (laughs) I I think that there's such a sentimentality towards and such a love towards Declan Rice as a player at the football club that actually the one thing West Ham fans wanted to see, that if he was going to leave, if he was going to move on, he needed to go somewhere where he was going to potentially experience success so don't go to Spurs basically but (laughs) go to City or go to Arsenal and either of those options would have been all right I think Manchester United would have been really tough to take I think Chelsea might have been tough to take so yeah but go and see him play at a team which feels like there's a project going on there and feels like he could be central to that and also develop as a player and become such a significant figure for England as he's going to I think that was Mm. quite important. Well, speaking of England, obviously Declan Rice, one of the first names on Gareth Southgate's team sheets. So too is the Manchester United captain, Harry Maguire, albeit he's not the captain at Old Trafford anymore. More on that next here on Football Social Daily. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Hit subscribe and that way you won't miss any future episodes. Three days a week whilst we are in the pre-season period. But as soon as the Premier League campaign kicks off again, which is under a month away now, then we'll be back to every single weekday bringing you a brand new podcast. So as I mentioned, hit follow or subscribe or whatever it is on whichever platform you listen to this show on and you won't miss a thing. Right, we're going to talk now about Harry Maguire, who's been stripped of the Manchester United captaincy. The defender posted about it on his Instagram and Manchester United also confirmed the news. He says, Marley, that he's gutted that he's had the captaincy taken away from him. But it's also understandable from an Eric Ten Hag point of view, don't you think? Because Harry Maguire rarely starts at Manchester United these days. Yeah, uh, at the end of the day, you can't have... You, well, you, you can, but you can't. It's not, not really healthy to have a, a club captain who is not in the team and rarely yet in the team. Even when there's a centre-back injured, there's another centre-back ahead of him. You know, even Luke Shaw's played there over him this season, who's never played there in his career, so... Um, you know, there's expectation that he's going to leave. Um, maybe this is another little uh, something that will push him slightly further towards the door. Maybe it was a something that he was hanging on to, saying, "Well, they can't sell me because I'm the captain," type of thing. But maybe this is uh, Ten Hag showing his hand and and saying, "Look, I, I don't mind it if you go. You're not going to be captain next year." Um, I think he's handled it pretty well. I think him. Him sort of announcing it on on Twitter and Instagram is is good. It's you know he's had a lot of headlines written about him, and you don't really need this hanging over him as well. So to come out and just say quite a professional sort of statement is is good for him, and probably gets it out of the way and over and done with. But at the end of the day, unless you're going to have, I mean, some clubs over the years have had a, a club captain and a and a team captain. Mm. Um, it tends but, to be a kind of legacy player that gets that it does, role, doesn't it? Like yeah, yeah. Mark Noble, like Jordan no, Henderson, Noble. someone like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Newcastle's kind of similar because we, we've got Lascelles is club captain, but he doesn't play every week. And Trippier is is the the guy on the pitch with the armband. But yeah, I mean, I feel like club captain's something that has only come into the football vernacular in the last maybe ten years. I don't remember ever hearing someone being called a club captain when I was watching football growing up. You're either a captain mm. or not. The captain is the person who wears the armband on the pitch. But then club captain feels to me like a term that was brought in to talk about these players like Mark Noble, like Jordan yeah. Henderson that you're referring to. I think to. it's when you've got such a significant character in the dressing room and you want to recognise their role, that's kind of like what the club captain became. But you're right. It's There were, there were farcical scenarios last season for Manchester United when... Harry Maguire would come on for five minutes at the end of the game and Bruno Fernandes would have to hand over the armband, which is just like a ridiculous scenario to be yeah. have on a football pitch anyway. But it, I think I think 
I think it's more than just losing the captaincy. This I think it's it's a statement that that's your time up. This is your time to leave. You no longer have a role at the football club. And do you really think it's that significant? I, I don't see where he. I think don't see where he fits into Manchester United's plans at the moment anymore. And I think Ten Hag and for the weird he's on as well. Yeah, like, and, and well, Manchester United much. played a lot of games last season. You got to remember they went really deep into the Europa mm. League. They reached two cup finals and, of course, all the Premier League games. Well over sixty games last season. You need four centre backs of a decent standard because Varane was injured, Martinez got injured, and as much as Manchester United fans would much rather see those two in the team, they're probably not going to stay fit for the entire season, particularly in the case of Raphael Varane. So you've got Lindelof and you've got Harry Maguire as your backup options. But as Molly said, Luke Shaw's played at centre back quite a bit mm. for Manchester United as well. And I, I don't even know whether Maguire gets in the team. And then ahead you of weaken Lindelof. your left back spot. But I, th- I think. It- from Harry Maguire's point of view, he doesn't need to be sitting there waiting to play fourth choice, fifth choice centre back and play bit parts every season. He's got the Euros to think about, and he, as it stands, miraculously is still Gareth Southgate's number one choice left sided yeah. centre back. He's for fantastic for England, but he won't maintain that if he doesn't play football. Well he has done the last year and a half when but he's not. How played. long can that continue when you've got people knocking on the door to potentially fill that role? Yeah. And I think he just needs to play football. And with the captaincy thing, I mean, you could look at it two ways. You could go, well, he was given the captaincy at a really bad time, like was three months into his Manchester United career and suddenly he's made captain yeah. when he's already struggling with the pressure of this £75 million pound move. Well, I thought his first season at Man United was actually pretty good under Solskjaer. And then it was the second season syndrome, mm. where's the cliche bell, you know, that he really struggled with. It didn't feel like it was he was the right person for that job at that time that did it. It felt like potentially there were better characters in that Manchester United squad who had been there longer and had more a legacy with the club. So you could go, well, Ten Hag's lifting the pressure off him. He's given the freedom to play without the captaincy, which is what you hear that in cricket quite often, don't you? The well, idea that the, the I was ca- just about to say that. Is it more of a big deal in football than it needs to be? Who's the captain and who wears the armband? Because I can think of examples of captains, someone like Harry Kane, for example, who would probably be a captain in terms of leading by example. Mm. He's not the sort of person where, like a Roy Keane, you think of a classic no. captain in Roy Keane who's shouting and, and orchestrating and organising. I don't see that in Harry Kane. So what he does do is now, he scores though, loads of goals and gets assists and leads by example and, you, you and he drives the, the standards. The traditional captains anymore, the kind of proper leaders on the pitch, don't really exist, which is why, yeah. one of the reasons why the Declan Rice deal is so good because he is that mm. individual that can but drive it, a team forward. It is just a piece of fabric around your arm. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. And when you, when you talk about cricket, the captain in cricket is so much more important because mm. she has to decide whether to bat or bowl first, who comes on to bowl, who bats in what order and what fielding positions. The captain has a lot more responsibility within the game, whereas it is in football literally just a piece of elastic around your bicep. That's it. There's no reason why, if you don't have a captain's armband, you can't be a captain No. in terms of how you act and I, how you lead players. I guess it puts more pressure on you to perform because you do have to lead by example and if you lose your place in the team then there are more question marks it's more obvious because it's like who's going to be the who's going to step in who's going to be the captain when you're yeah. out of form so but I don't think that's the case anyway I don't think this is a case of Ten Hag kind of going let's make life a bit easy for you mm. I think it's him going look that you're not the captain anymore and I imagine we don't know what happened in that conversation between Ten Hag and Harry Maguire but I, I'd imagine there's a part of that as well and Harry Maguire didn't indicate this in any of his posts on social media he was very much I'm going to continue fighting for my plays playing for the shirt or wherever his statement was but I think there would have been part of that conversation was look we'll, 
there's interest in you, yeah. we'll find you something else. We'll revisit that in a second. But just keeping on the captain thing, Bruno Fernandes was more often than not chosen to be the captain when Maguire wasn't playing last season, Marley. Do you think Eric Ten Hag will continue with that? Or do you think that maybe Varane or Casemiro, two experienced players, may be chosen instead? No, you've, you've got to give it Bruno. I think I think he's a clear choice. He's been there a long time now. Um, what was it? Four years he's probably been there now, is it? Mm. Um, he was captain of Sporting. You know, he's, he's, he's that type of character where he's, even without the, the armband, he is kind of a captain figure. Um a lot of that comes with just mourning at the ref for 90 minutes. I mean, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Crying and mourning and getting in his ear He's and stuff. A captain, but that's but he what a captain does. so much. Yeah, but that's what captains do, I suppose, you know. <laughs> or some do. Some. I mean, obviously every, every captain's different, but, yeah. you know, some do. Some do that and some some are a bit more sort of respectful in a way. Um, but, yeah, it'll be, it'll be him because Casemiro and Varane have practically just got there, really. Um, and even though they're... Require, they're comfortable in doing it because they're experienced and they've been around and they've won everything. You don't need to make them captain to feel their impact. So their, their impact's already there. Casemiro, mm. as soon as he walked through the door, everyone knows like stuff just got serious. Like, <laughs> it's a real deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, even some people questioned his his motivation for coming to Man United, but his performances mm. were straight off the bat were just out of this, out of the very top jaw type of thing, and made Man United such a, a much better team. Um, and yeah, his, his impact, you don't need to give him an armband for him to play out of his skin. I think if you didn't give it to Fernandez, that you would probably, open you up pro- more you've probably got a problem because yeah, yeah. then he'll he might sulk, and it'd be it'd be right to sulk, to be fair. And, and people will ask questions straight away, oh, like, why, we'll, why would you put Bruno as captain all the last season and then not give it to him? Yeah, now? exactly. We're yeah, foolish yeah. to overlook Donny van der Beek as the Manchester <laughs> <laughs> United captain for the future. Oh, like. The most unlucky footballer ever. In Hebrew. <laughs> well, well, maybe. He may be one of those players actually leaving Old Trafford this summer, potentially, but you've already highlighted it, touched upon it a moment ago, Jim. Harry Maguire, who you say could be on his way out of Old Trafford and there is interest. Allegedly, West Ham are keen on bringing him to the London Stadium. Would I that think, be a move that you welcome? Yeah, I think it'd be good for everyone. That I think potentially I'd look at a loan with an option to buy if Manchester United were open to that. But I think he could play in a Manchester in, in West Ham's team far more suited to that than the type of football that Eric Ten Hag wants to play. And like people say he can't play out from the back. That's nonsense, he yeah, can. Yeah, it's just not at maybe the level that Eric Ten Hag requires. And West Ham had their Huge problems last season in terms of injuries to centre-backs with Kurt Zuma and his glass knees. That was a bit of an issue. Orgard ended up getting injured, but mm. he, he's superb. And I think you could see an Orgard-Harry Maguire partnership that would be absolutely fantastic for West Ham. Get him in the middle, get his head on stuff. He'd, He'd want to start though, set he? pieces as well. If he came to West Ham, he'd want to start yeah, games. Yeah, but you've got to play for it. Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't it. buy him if you're not going to start him. Like, mm, I guess how, so. how, many, how many teams buy backup players these days like you either buy a player when you put him in the team or you don't unless you're a top team and you can you can afford to spend 30 40 million on a mm. someone like Calvin Phillips at City for example but yeah I think an option a loan with an option would be would be perfect because then you get to you get to see what he what he can do and how hungry he is and he does need to prove and he, himself to a certain extent yeah he can get his confidence back he can you know get cement himself in the Euros team which he's probably going to be in whatever happens but still coming off the back of a, a season of good football we could get top Harry Maguire in the England team um, and even things might change at Man United this season you know Varane might 
do an ACL at the in you know April or something like that. Mm. So all of a sudden, he could get back in the Man United team the season after next. You know, so I think it's a win-win for everything. But Man United and West Ham have to be mm. um, not too stubborn either of them. And Maguire, to be fair, all three of them need to be a little bit open to to what happens next because West Ham are going to have to pay probably more than they want to. Man United know that they've got 100 million in the bank so they can. They're just yeah, being a yeah, bit tight. Yeah. Uh, and Maguire needs to probably take his head out of the situation and go, I need to think about this logically. I need to play. I need to pick a team that'll fit me and a team that has probably an average of 40% possession. He's yeah. going to he's gonna love that. The I've... other scenario is that the like from Harry Maguire's point of view, and why a loan situation works better than a transfer is the wages situation because Harry Maguire will not be able to get the wages done at Manchester United mm. at West Ham. So there'll have to be some kind of selling club contribution towards that, I think. But if you could, if you talked about a £30 million deal, I think that's the kind of price point. I mean, it's a huge loss for Manchester United. I think, he, I think he's worth more. I'm not going to lie. I'd I think he's probably worth more. say we'll give you £10 million this season for, for the loan and then an option of 30 Because if you have. Mm. The top Maguire, and you've got a thirty million option. You've spent forty million on Maguire, and you and you know he's good. Yeah. Whereas you can't go in now and offer forty and we, be like, "We'll take a chance." Because I, I, I West get Ham it. won't do that. But also, we've said on this podcast loads of times, forty million is what you pay for a decent Premier League footballer now. And this guy is an England international. Let's not forget that. And also, you've already touched upon it, Marley. Manchester United will now know because West Ham have just received £105 million, albeit in instalments, from Arsenal for Declan Rice that they've got some money to play with. So, yeah, I mean, that changes the situation again. But Although they, every club's got £100 million to spend, yeah. haven't they, really? <laughs> well, well, let's talk about how West Ham are going to use that money that they've got from Declan Rice. Obviously, they don't have it all in one lump sum. But Maguire is one of the targets. Another, the Hammers are allegedly in talks with, actually, is Joao Paulinho, the midfielder from Fulham, as a direct Declan Rice replacement. West Ham want to pay £40 million. Naturally, Fulham are going to want mm. more than that. £40 million seems like about the limit for me. I'm, I... What, for Paulinho? Yeah, I mean, I've got to confess, I don't remember seeing a great deal of football from him last season. Fulham wasn't the team I was paying particular, particular attention to, but from what I understand from Fulham fans, very highly rated mm. and would He's... fill the... Declan Rice role perfectly. He's so good. Twenty-seven. Like West Ham's whole team is is aging. They're all the wrong side of twenty-five. He's just turned twenty-eight. Oh, no, well, that makes it much worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's not it's not a transfer that excites me, but I can see how it makes sense. And the the, the numbers that Fulham are demanding for him. You mentioned the forty million that West Ham want to pay. Yeah, that's the case. But Fulham were talking about 85, 90 million for him which is just an insane amount of money for the player, I think. But is that just indicative of how important he is to Fulham? Yeah, probably. And they're going to lose Mitrovic, by the looks of it, to the Saudi League, another player going to the Middle East. So how many of their valuable assets can they afford to lose and still retain their status? Well, we'll find out. West Ham are allegedly in talks with Fulham, actually, about this Joao Paulinho move. Will Harry Maguire rock up at London Stadium? We don't know. But what we do know is that there is plenty more transfer gossip to come on today's Football Social Daily, and we'll talk about it next. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. This is the award-winning Premier League podcast and it's time for the Saudi segment, Yay. as we've been <laughs> naming it over the last few weeks. Uh, we're going to go through some of the latest transfer gossip and let's start with the big Saudi news because it seems like every podcast now, we've got a new line to bring you. And today, Riyad Mahrez and Fabinho are the latest big Premier League names linked with a Pro League switch. Do you think... Mali, that Riyad Mahrez would be the biggest name to leave the Premier League for Saudi if he goes. The player is said to be keen on the move. Yeah, he's probably slightly bigger than Kante. I would say is the only other the one. Kante's tiny. <laughs> five foot <laughs> Five foot six yeah. versus five foot eight. Um, yeah, I think probably yeah. Um, and on the face of it, I've got no real. Uh, you know, I've I've given the Saudi thing a, a lot of stick over the last few few weeks because. I don't get some of the moves, but I do get this one because where I'll always criticise the Saudi league is when players leave there and they've got no obvious reason to go. Like They've got sporting ambitions to stay and win things in, in one of Europe's top five leagues, to play in the Champions League, to win the league, to to do what? To to finish their business, basically. But Mares, if you look at his story, his story is like, like it's, a, it's a film, basically. Starting off at Le Havre, going from... You know, the half to Leicester for was it three hundred and fifty grand or whatever it was, um, up through the championship, winning that, um, then winning the Premier League, winning the FA Cup, winning the Community Shield, um, and then moving on to to City, uh, winning the, you know four five league titles, winning the FA Cup, winning the Champions League, then winning the treble. You know that's mm. and now at thirty two to go back to, to go to well to go to a country where you know it'll pay you handsomely and allow you to kind of wind down in, in, in an easier league basically when your t- when your place is slightly under threat at Man City he didn't play many wait well, he did he played a lot of games but he didn't he was never first choice last season at Man City so they've kind of moved on happy to move on without him type of thing so I don't begrudge the move to be honest I, I think it's uh, I think it's good for for everyone really I'm just looking at Riyad Mahrez's statistics if he is to leave the Premier League for pastures new. 284 games, 82 goals, 61 assists, a five-time Premier League champion, including 17 goals in 2015-16 when Leicester City somehow defied all chances and won the Premier League title. He's just won the Champions League. He's won multiple domestic trophies. Is an Algerian international. So in terms of where he ranks, Jim, amongst the best African players to feature in the Premier League, and you look at all of those numbers and all of those accolades on a sheet of paper like I've got in front of me, he's got to be up there with the Drogba's and the Yaya Torres, etc. of it's this world, argue, isn't, he? isn't it? Slightly underrated as a player, though, probably Mahrez as well. I don't think he always gets the credit he deserves. And he definitely did in his period at Leicester when he was seen as one of the driving forces of that championship team. But since he's gone to City, I think he struggled to settle a little bit, didn't he? He kind of was doing the same thing over and over again in every game where he'd cut inside and take a shot and blaze it over the bar and... Got a bit of stick from City fans early doors. But... I, ironically, he's going to do that again when he goes back to Saudi because yeah. <laughs> he's not got the teammates, the level of teammates to pass it to, really. Yeah, but I think once he settled, he became a real important part of that Manchester City team. And any player mm. who can hold a place down in that Manchester City team is by default one of the best in the world. 
So he deserves a lot of credit. And yeah, definitely one of the best African players to have graced the Premier League. In particular in the modern era, along with Mane and, and Mo Salah, former Liverpool teammates, of course, well, Mane's case, uh, of Fabinho. And he's the other player that's been linked with a move away, Jim. He's seen a, a bit of a drop off in performance, I'd say, in the last couple of seasons. Uh, the Daily Mirror, they say that Liverpool are keen on Calvin Phillips to replace the outgoing Fabinho if he does move on to Saudi. I can't see Manchester City letting Calvin Phillips go, particularly to Liverpool. No. Firstly, on the Saudi League, I was looking the other day, because I think this is worth looking at if you're interested, at which players have gone to which teams, because there's been what feels like this influx of well-known faces from across Europe going into the Saudi teams. But still, the spread of them throughout the league is incredibly thin. Yeah. So, like, you've got the four, um, what is it, it's P- PIF, isn't it? PIF, uh, who own the league, yeah. who own yeah. these four big teams. They're the ones where the kind of majority have gone to. But it's four or five players at most that have gone into these teams. So, still, the quality is Not even be... half the team. No, yeah. exactly. There's going to be kind of like a very mixed quality. But then, like, throughout Yeah, but they'll the league... just pass it between themselves. They're going to switch to five. It's like, it's, it, have a look at it if you get a chance, because it's really interesting. Even, like... Is it Al Nasser that um, Al Nasser, yeah. yeah, that Cristiano Ronaldo went to last season? Mm. It's like that's got maybe the the biggest influx of headline players. But even those headline players, they involve players that have played for England at under twenty one level and then kind of like gone on to mm. lesser degrees of football, well, got, like gone to the Turkish league and stuff yeah, like that. Got Ronaldo, Marcelo Brozovic, who's a Croatian international, and then David Ospina, who used to be the goalkeeper for Arsenal. Yeah, Igalo's there as well, isn't he? No, he he went somewhere else. He was there at one point. Was he? But I don't think he's there now. But it'll be really interesting to see how they settle in. But on the Calvin Phillips front, I think it's a bit unknown what's going to happen with Calvin Phillips next season and whether this is the season that he'll actually kind of break through. I did hear someone saying that this is the test that Pep Guardiola puts his new signings through. He just basically doesn't play them for a year Mm. to see if he can break them and see how much they want it. I'm not sure I quite agree with that, but certainly there's an element of... Pep Guardiola reprogramming yeah. that goes into new signings. It's either that or he turns him into a left back. Yeah. He did yeah. the same with Fabian Delph and Zinchenko. So Calvin Phillips at left back maybe is not out of the equation for next season. He did do an interesting interview on national radio though, Jim, where he looked like he was about to burst into tears when talking about the lack of game time and there was question marks over his fitness and his size, mm. which is unusual because under Marcelo Bielsa, we know how much he would beast those Leeds players and really drill them through those fitness routines and regimes so for him to then be questioned about his levels of fitness and whether he's up to the task he I think struggled that, with I, injury last season mm, though as remember as well I think that hurt him a lot actually yeah. personally I think there's still a role for him at City and as you say if City did want him to go somewhere else that they did want to move him on you can't see them letting him go to a team that will potentially be challenging them in the league next season mm. well that, that being said City did sell Zinchenko and Jesus to to Arsenal. So that's but... even more reason that they wouldn't do it this time. Yeah, very like, true. They've probably learned been their burnt lesson. before. Yeah. Let's not go through that route again. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about someone who is definitely leaving the Premier League because Chelsea haven't taken him on their preseason tour. And that is Romelu Lukaku. We've known for ages that he's not going to stay at Stamford Bridge. We just don't know where he's going to go. And this is the wild bit about this story for me, Marley, is Chelsea are pushing for a sale. They've said 35 million and you can have Romelu Lukaku. The problem is they can't get rid of him. None of the Italian clubs, Inter Milan in particular, either A, can't afford him, or B, want him. Yeah, it's a bit of a mess. Um, Italy in general, really, with, with when it comes to finances in uh, 
in football. I think Inter want him, but can't feasibly afford him. There's now Juventus being talked about, isn't there? If they might have him, but they need to sell Vlahovic if they're going to bring him in, and you know they want quite a lot for for Vlahovic for for any um any potential buyer. So yeah, it's all a bit of a mess. Nobody really wants him. Saudi do want him, but he doesn't want to go to Saudi. Uh, I think he's mentioned that fairly recently so that one seems to be off the table for him but yeah it's all a bit of a mess really mm. it's it's kind of it's weird to see how how quickly his his career is just completely derailed to be honest yeah i mean what's interesting is you called it a mess and so too does the italian newspaper la gazetta dello sport um they say that it's a bit of a disaster this whole situation apparently romelu lukaku just reading some of the italian newspapers here he isn't 100% on going back to Inter because he's a bit upset that he was left out of the starting eleven for the Champions League final against Manchester City. And he kind of is throwing a tantrum about it. He says, well, I don't want to come. You, you didn't value me enough to start me in the Champions League final, so I'm not sure I want to return to the club. I'm not sure whether that's legitimate or not, but it would seem quite petty if that's the case. The other club that look more likely is Juventus, but only if they can get rid of Dusan Vlahovic, who's their current centre-forward. Chelsea need a centre-forward. Maybe there's a swap deal on the cards. That's something we spoke about last week. It's testament to how far Lukaku's stars fallen to a certain amount, isn't it? That there isn't a team that are willing to pay or can pay £35 million for him, considering it was only, what, two years ago that he went to Chelsea for £100 million, Or was it three? Yeah, £95 million, yeah. I mean, if he's shooting down options of where he can go, because he said previously he didn't want to go to AC Milan or Juventus a couple of years ago. He said he didn't want to go to either of those teams. He wouldn't go and play for them in Italy. So he's, if he's blacklisted them, now he's blacklisting Inter because he wasn't deemed suitable enough. I don't think there's going to be another Premier League team that take a chance on him because no. he's, he's shot his shot there. I've heard rumours that PSG might be interested, but I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure how he fits into that scenario. So it's like one of those... It's all um, dependent on outgoings, isn't it? Yeah, it's like those leper cruise ships full of like toxic waste that <laughs> travel around the sea and get shunted from port to port. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, Lukaku is the leper cruise ship of football at the moment. Well, the thing is with Lukaku, I think you're right with the Premier League. I don't think we'll be seeing him back in England anytime soon, if at all. Over 100 Premier League goals. His first stint at Inter Milan before going back to Chelsea, 47 league goals in 72 Serie A games. Just ridiculous numbers, amazing record. And he's a goal scorer. He will score you goals. He's a, an absolute beast of a centre forward who has pretty much got it all. But there's question marks over with the his, last couple of years. Yeah, there's it? question marks over whether he really is the sort of character you want around the squad. And Maurizio Pochettino building this new Chelsea side hasn't taken him on the pre-season tour. I don't know whether that's a joint decision between manager and Lukaku, whether that's a club well, decision or Lukaku's decision. I mean, but that straight away is is kind of holding himself to ransom. They've obviously spoken though, aren't they? Like they've, they've obviously spoken and, and Pochettino's went, do you want to play for Chelsea? And he's gone, no. But Chelsea under Pochettino is a different Chelsea. So Pochettino could be the perfect manager for, mm. for Lukaku. He's very good man manager. Uh, my managerial wise, you know what I mean? Like as in taking care of players, taking an interest in in them, and that's that's how Spurs got to the Champions League final. Yes, they had a, a slightly, you know, and not an, an incredibly hard run, but to be a well-run club like that and get the best out of what you have takes my management. And I, I think Lukaku is is one of them players that sort of 
he thrives in being a big fish in a slightly smaller pond because he likes everything to be about him. However, when you get to the top table of football, the elite clubs, you're never the biggest, unless you're Messi or Ronaldo, you're never the biggest player at that club because there's so many amazing players that take, you know, looking after and managing and paying and stuff like that. So it's it's uh, something's got to give. And I think it's Lukaku's attitude and, and the way he sort of, thinks of himself needs to change a little bit if he's to get his career back on track because I was thinking before there about potential destinations and yeah he doesn't want to go to Juventus and he doesn't and he won't go to AC Milan because of the respect for Inter I'm thinking what about if Napoli decide to sell Ozyman and buy Lukaku for the for 35 million Napoli can make 100 million that way if if they say to Man United and and who else wants Ozzyman? Everyone who needs a striker, Bayern, <laughs> Bayern basically, Bayern, Man United, Spurs if they sell Kane, Ozzyman's the, the next one off the production list that everyone wants. If they say to anyone, Victor's price is 120 million euros and somebody might take him and then Lukaku goes to Napoli for 35 million. Mm. We're still in that weird stage of... They've the, made 80 million there, easy. windows, aren't we, though? That it's, like, it's still so early. It, yeah. There, there's, yeah. There, there will be these deals that happen that cause that cascade of Declan Rice will be one of those deals that will motivate stuff that will that the money greases the wheels Harry Kane potentially going to Bayern that will grease the wheels and start moving stuff through so there's probably options that we're not even considering for Lukaku at the moment yeah. but he'll plug a gap that's made by someone leaving yeah. it feels like his natural destination is the Italian league yeah, that's, that's sure. where he's played his mm. best football and where he's been most consistent but yeah. It's it's who needs him and who can afford him. That's yeah. the big question. But yeah, he'd fit in in Naples perfectly as well because they love they love players that no one likes. Do you know what I mean? Like the 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 Neapolitan attitude is everyone hates us and we don't care. Yeah, because there's a big South North divide in Italy and to not go into it all, but basically if 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 there was a you know like Millwall in England where yeah. they're like everyone no hates us and we don't we care don't like care. that is Napoli except Napoli are actually class I've been to Napoli Napoli and are I've been to Millwall and they're nothing like each other <laughs> yeah. um, better pizza in a Millwall Millwall <laughs> <laughs> imagine that Lukaku swapping the pizza for jelly deals and <laughs> pie mash and liquor no thank you all right then that does us for today's football social daily we look up will Lukaku move to the Italian league we don't know but when we do know we'll talk about it of course on this podcast and if you hit subscribe that way you won't miss any of the future episodes three days a week whilst it is the off-season period and then when the Premier League starts again back to five days a week that is it though from Jim Marley and I thanks for listening to Football Social Daily we'll catch you on the next one Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network